Hello and welcome. You found the Social Work Podcast. My name is Jonathan Singer, and I'll be your host as we explore all things social work. Today's podcast is on incorporating religion and spirituality into social work practice with African Americans. Or at least that's the official title. The unofficial title is, If My Client Brings God Into the Conversation, What Should I Do? I spoke with Nancy Boyd Franklin, best-selling author, multicultural researcher, family therapist and clinical trainer, and recipient of awards from the American Psychological Association, Association of Black Psychologists, and the American Family Therapy Academy. When I was a social work intern, I worked with an African-American mother who had AIDS and whose six children were HIV positive. The father of her children had been an IV drug user who had died of AIDS. Well, this mother was in poor health and rarely sought her own treatment, and I had a hard time tracking her down because she spent most of the day, every day, on public transportation with one child or another, taking them to and from medical appointments. I remember being on the bus with her one day, because that was the only place I could meet with her, listening to her talk about how she had successfully fought hospital administration to get treatment for one of her kids. Now, being the eager social work student that I was, fully prepared to acknowledge my client's strengths and resources, I told her that I was in awe of her strength. How do you do it? I asked. Well, her response totally caught me off guard. She said, the good Lord will give me only as much as I can handle. I had no idea how to respond. See, I was expecting her to say something like, well, a parent will do what a parent has to do, or maybe, I don't know either, I sure could use a vacation. See, I expected her response to be a much more uh, textbook. You know, the kind of response that I had read about in my textbook so that I could follow up with. And so if you took a vacation, what would be different? Which makes no sense because she obviously wasn't about to fly off to the Dominican Republic for a week at the beach. Not so textbook. In that moment, on the bus, I found myself completely at a loss for words. Not that I didn't have a million things running through my head. I did. I just thought that they all sounded stupid. I mean, on, on one level, I was trying to figure out what she meant. Okay, she said that the good Lord will give her only as much as she can handle. Does that mean that when she can't handle any more, she'll die? Or that the good Lord knows exactly how much she can handle, and then when she can't handle any more, the good Lord will stop giving her things to handle? Or... Is there a third option I'm just not thinking about? Obviously, I had a lot of self-doubt. Because I was thinking, I'm just a social work intern, and I'm not really sure what I can offer her above and beyond what the good Lord can offer. So what now? Okay, so in case you got lost in all of my self-talk, here's a quick recap of my conversation. I asked my client a question. She responded. That's it. What should have come next was me saying something intelligent. Instead, what I said was, Wow! So why did I have such a hard time coming up with an appropriate response? For one, being an intern and wanting to impress my client, I thought that I was supposed to be an expert in her life. I was supposed to know what she meant. I was supposed to understand her religious beliefs, her spiritual convictions, and I didn't, so I clammed up. The other thing is that what I thought I understood about her beliefs, I didn't agree with. 
Michi and I had a different belief system, and it didn't seem appropriate to argue with her, nor did it seem appropriate to agree with her, because that wouldn't be genuine. Another reason is that my social work education didn't prepare me to deal with issues of religion and spirituality. My textbooks didn't provide me with templates for how to respond when my clients brought up the issue of God. Prior to 2001, accreditation guidelines from the Council on Social Work Education didn't require schools to include information about spiritual assessment when they taught the biopsychosocial assessment. And I did talk about this a little more in detail in episode two of the podcast, Biopsychosocial Spiritual Assessment and Mental Status Exam, which you can find on the Social Work Podcast website. Another reason is that there's been a really long and contentious relationship between religion and the helping professions. Religion was either the answer or the problem. For example, you have the social work profession, which was in part rooted in the Friendly Visitor Movement, which believed that the right version of religion was the answer to poverty. On the other hand, you have Freud's legacy of religion being considered an obsessional neurosis. So for many providers, the only safe middle ground was, religion's not within my scope of practice, and therefore I'm not going to deal with it at all. Well, today's guest, Nancy Boyd Franklin, would say that when religion or spirituality is part of a client's life, the effective provider has to deal with it, and we have to be able and willing to engage in conversations about it. Wow! Just won't cut it. Nancy would see this mother's belief in the power of the good Lord as a sign of strength and resilience, not weakness or pathology. She would also say that I could have simply responded to the mother's statement by saying, tell me more. In today's interview, Nancy spoke about the heterogeneity of beliefs among black Americans. She and I talked about the difference between religion and spirituality, what a church family is, and why it's so important, whether or not social workers should ask about religion and spirituality if clients don't bring it up, and what the role of religion and spirituality is in traditional African American families. I interviewed Nancy at Temple University School of Social Work. She was the invited speaker for the school's lecture series on social work research. For more information about Temple School of Social Work or the research lecture series, please visit their website at www.temple.edu forward slash ssa.org. And now, without further ado, on to episode 59 of the Social Work Podcast, Incorporating Religion and Spirituality into Social Work Practice with African Americans, an interview with Dr. Nancy Boyd Franklin. Nancy, thanks so much for being here today and talking with us about African American families and religion and spirituality. I know that you're really concerned about perpetuating stereotypes, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to address that before we start the questions. Um, I guess the first thing is that there's just tremendous variability and diversity in the black community, and uh, that's true of religion and spirituality, too. You know, there are historically black churches that are Christian. There are African Americans who are not Christian. There uh, is a growing Muslim community, both Nation of Islam, Sunni Muslim, and other Muslim. There are a growing group who are very committed to African religions. And I don't think we talk enough about those in the field. 
I'm going to talk primarily, though, about um, traditional African-American churches, so Baptist, African Methodist, Episcopal, Church of, Church of God in Christ, um, because we're going to run out of time quickly. Why are religion and spirituality important issues for social workers to be aware of when they're working with families that come from these, these backgrounds? Absolutely. I think the biggest challenge in the field is that clients come in in pain. Um, they don't come to see us because they're happy and everything's wonderful. And so um, they present first with their problems. And our challenge, should we decide to accept it, is to figure out how to tune into their strengths. And in African-American families, some of the biggest strengths are the family itself, the extended family, and the church family. Uh, now, that's clearly not true of every African-American client or family, but there are many, many families in which these beliefs are very strong and very powerful and can be used to help people overcome adversity, racism, loss, trauma, death, dying issues in their, in their lives. And so in the African-American community, is there a distinction between religion and spirituality, or are they seen as the same thing? Yeah. Actually, there's research that's been done where uh, individuals have been asked, are they religious or spiritual? And they've said religious and spiritual. Religion really refers to church involvement. Spirituality is a more um, general concept. It, it's about a belief in God or a higher power or the creator, and just a belief in spiritual action in one's life. What I find is that there are just many situations in which um, social workers or practitioners in general in the mental health field now know they need to ask about religion. So they'll ask, well, are you involved in a church or a religion? People say no, and they go on to the next question. They don't go after, well, would you say you're a spiritual person? Is spirituality a part of your life? You get a much wider response to that kind of question. So you mentioned the church family. What is the church family? And in, in black churches, what is the role of the church family? Yeah. In black churches, we often describe our churches as church homes. And it follows, our, our churches are also our church families. And it is hard for practitioners who haven't experienced it to understand what an all-inclusive support network that is. You not only have the minister, the minister's wife, the deacons, the deaconesses, but you have activities and supports for people at every stage of the life cycle. So you have things like the nursery where um, young parents can take their children and be a part of church services. You have um, Sunday school and all kinds of youth activities where many African-American parents who live in very um, dangerous areas, in urban areas, 
have used churches as a socialization option for their kids. Uh, the strategy of many of the parents and grandparents I've talked to is tie up their time so they get them involved in after-school tutoring programs. And um, people think vacation Bible school is just about spirituality. No, it's uh, a way to occupy kids in a very positive spiritually focused activity during the time they're off from school. But the other area for any social worker working in gerontology, this is a huge area, because research has shown that African-American women and older African-Americans, both men and women, really rely on religion and spirituality to get them through the rough times. Experiences of racism, trauma, loss, Um, And so that issue becomes huge. There are tremendous services in the African-American churches for the elderly, reaching out to folks who are homebound, uh, uh, folk in nursing homes, um, reaching out to families who are homebound because they have a, a family member, reaching out to hospitals when people are going through cancer and other life threatening illnesses. So it's an all-inclusive piece. The other issue, though, in today's economic crisis, African-American churches are like many social service agencies, Um, services for the homeless, services for food banks. Um, when When the lists are so long for things like Big Brothers and Big Sisters, I will often turn to churches in the community for mentors or tutors for youth. And people don't think of these things in times when a lot of the services are drying up. So if I were working with an uh, African-American family and I knew they were involved in their church, yeah, um, could I say, is this something that your church family can help out with? I mean, is that the phrase, church family? that's one of the ways you could go. Uh, But you first just want to ask about, uh, particularly if you're not particularly religious yourself or you're not of this culture, you want to say, you know, uh, just curious, do you have a church family? Have you ever had one? And what kinds of things do you count on them for? You know, even black families, particularly single-parent families who are isolated, who are not members of church families, may in fact find services for their kids offered through the churches or for their elderly. So I can understand why it would be important to check in with a family to find out what their church involvement was, to find out what the norms are. Yeah. I also know that there are African-American families, any family, that that might not be involved in churches, and yet, particularly in the African-American community, it sounds like you're saying that churches are a huge resource. Absolutely. Are churches a resource for folks who aren't members of that church? Absolutely. Particularly in terms of services, Uh, services for youth. You have many African-American families who get their kids involved in tutoring or mentoring or um, various activities not because of their religious significance, but because it keeps them off the streets. Um, Also, there are a number of churches that have done excellent work, my own, for example, on gang uh, summits and trying to take kids back from the streets in that regard. There are some churches that have 12-step programs 
a substance abuse ministry. There are numerous churches that have services for the elderly. So if you have a very isolated client or family, it may be a way to connect them. And I know that there's a researcher out of the University of Pennsylvania who has been doing work on developing suicide prevention programs through churches. Excellent. Which I thought was a very creative use of combining um, this issue of religion and spirituality as a protective factor with the environment that might be most stigmatizing around issues of suicide. Definitely. And Caslow, as you know, down at Emory, has looked at um, religion and spirituality as a protective factor in terms of suicidality in women who've experienced, African-American women who've experienced domestic violence. And we'll put the link to that, those studies on the website Great. for folks who want to hear more about that. Great. So I'm sure there are folks listening to this podcast right now saying, okay, sure, Dr. Boyd Franklin can talk about this, uh, but I, I don't really know what to say. Yeah. Uh, should social workers ask about religion and spirituality? Absolutely. And, and and if so, how? And how might these issues emerge in therapy if they're not asking directly? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the issues is that if you ask and you simply say, um, would you describe yourself as religious? Um, and they say, yeah, I'm a you know, member of a church. Or ask, are you a member of a church? If they are, you're going to have a hard time getting out of the room because you'll be there two hours. If they say no... You want to ask, well, would you say, I know there are a lot of folk who are not religious, but they may be spiritual. Would you describe yourself as spiritual? All right. Tell me a little about your spirituality, you know, or tell me a little about your church if they acknowledge that they're church members. I get concerned because um, there are many people who know to ask the first question. But the important thing is to encourage people. I think the most important thing you can say is tell me more about it. So you get a sense of how much is this a part of their lives. If it's not, it's not. But if it is, for those African Americans for whom it's important, it's huge. Are there resources out there for folks who want to learn more about how to address issues of religion and spirituality? Absolutely. What what, what are Um, some of those? I would uh, recommend my book, Black Families and Therapy. There's a whole chapter on religion and spirituality. Also, a book by Froma Walsh on spiritual resources and family therapy. Um, I have a chapter in that book with actually one of my graduate students who did research on this issue. And in African-American families. And I would strongly recommend that as a possibility. I know that students and educators listen to this podcast. And I was wondering, um, what are some of the implications for training in in both the field and in the classroom? Yes. I firmly believe that this is an issue of cultural competency. That um, so often our courses that have a multicultural focus are very limited And I really feel this needs to be a part of the training of social workers, psychologists, mental health professionals in general, family therapists, um, because for the families for whom it's important, and obviously it's not important for every family, but for the families for whom it's important, it's central. 
And it is a strength. It's a survival mechanism, you know. If you ask somebody who's just had an incident of racism, how do you get through it? They talk about their spirituality or their religious beliefs. Um, I've done research and um, interventions, as you know, in the Gulf region after Hurricane Katrina. And in New Orleans, Louisiana, Mississippi, I've been so impressed with the spiritual beliefs of the people, even if they had family that helped them. You asked, how did you get through? They said, God sawed me through. And that piece is central to their resilience, to their survival. And so it is such an important area. When you do um, a, an assessment with an African-American client or family, it's got to be a part of the assessment. All right. Now, I want to remind you, though, that If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. I I like the analogy of the camera lens. Um, You know, it's necessary to take the picture, but you've got to adjust it for each new client and each new family that walks in the door. Otherwise, you create a stereotype. So coming back to this example that you were talking about, the, the folks from the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Um. When you talked about spirituality and religion as as a resource. Yes. If if my client starts to talk about that and let's say I'm not particularly religious or I have a different religious belief, how should I go about being there for my client and and going down that path without stepping on the toes of of ministry. Of okay. All right. Um, that is a marvelous question. Um, therapy is not missionary work. All right. Um, I, I think the most important ethical issue is not imposing our own spiritual or religious beliefs on our client. What I've found as a practitioner for years and years and in training other practitioners is if you ask, Are you religious? Are you a member of a church family? Remember that you may get, yes, I'm religious and I'm a member of a mosque, all right? The challenge is that if you don't ask, you miss the opportunity to do strength-based work. And what I've found is that even if you spend five, seven minutes asking about these issues, and all you have to say is, is it important if you're li- in your life? If they say yes, say, tell me more about it. You'll be there for two hours. Trust me. That is the important part of the work. What's important is to recognize that um, you don't have to know all the little details. Cultural competency means being able to ask the question And then do reflective listening so you're saying that this is really like your family. This is really central to your life. So you're saying uh, in a different client, um, you're not particularly religious, but you're saying spirituality is sort of who you are. All right. Tell me more about that. You know, how might you use spirituality when you're feeling depressed or when you're um, dealing with issues in your family or in your life? So it opens up the dialogue in a way that can be very powerful. And then it can be incorporated into therapeutic interventions. So it makes sense that you're saying 
use your basic clinical skills. Absolutely. To expand and explore Absolutely. this issue of, of uh, religious or spiritual uh, involvement, even if it's different yes. from your own. And let me add, um, since we may have researchers tuning into this too, black churches are tremendous bases for both the development of intervention programs and for reaching a population in the African-American community that you wouldn't reach otherwise. Um, Black churches do a great deal of education and prevention. You know, um, stop down after church and get your blood pressure checked. And, um, you know, those kinds of interventions are very, very powerful also. The other thing is that it can be incorporated into interventions. For example, in suicide prevention, I have had clients or and I've supervised my students' clients who have had a history of suicidality. They've been hospitalized. In today's managed care world, it's a short-term hospitalization. So you have to support that person after they are released from the hospital. And they may still experience moments of suicidal ideation. So, for example, one of the things that can be very powerful is to have, um, for a person with a church family, that comes with a whole bunch of prayer warriors. You can ask, have you ever had a prayer partner? All right. Would you consider having a prayer partner who can be an additional support for you when you're feeling depressed so you don't get to that suicidal point. So that person can pray with them daily. In addition to therapy, it's a phenomenal intervention. But if you don't know about it, you don't know to ask. Um, So I would recommend the reading. Those two uh, chapters alone would give the reader tremendous ideas Also, African-Americans use spiritual metaphors in treatment. My favorite is the issue of spiritual warfare. You know, uh, I can't tell you how many suicidal clients have described their struggle around suicidality as an example of spiritual warfare between the part of them that wants to adhere to their spiritual beliefs and the part of them that wants to end it all. Uh, So, Nancy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today about religion and spirituality with African-American families. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast, and um, I'd really be excited to hear more um, from your listeners about their interests. And uh, along those lines, if they have questions, um, is it okay to contact you? Absolutely. All right. We'll put your contact information on the website. Wonderful. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm Jonathan Singer, and thanks for being with me today for another episode of the Social Work Podcast. If you missed an episode or have suggestions for future episodes, please visit socialworkpodcast.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our online store at cafepress.com slash swpodcast. To all the social workers out there, keep up the good work. We'll see you next time at the Social Work Podcast.